Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. He didn't have a receipt book or anything. And my husband was saying, get a receipt. He told me he was going to give me a receipt. He went out to his truck and left. I called him. I said, hey, I don't have a receipt. He said, oh, I will email it to you. I said, okay. He's going to email me. I felt... Yeah, don't listen. You should not be... Cash doesn't leave this hand until a receipt is in this hand. This is the plaintiff, Tiffany Sanders. She says she hired the defendant to build her offense, paid him, and when she went to his house to see about starting the work, he pulled out a shotgun, pointed it at her face, and ordered her off his property. Needless to say, she never got her fence built by the defendant. And she wants the $1,600 she paid him, and also $5,000 in emotional distress, and is suing him here and now for the $6,600 she's owed. This is the defendant, Richard Eckhart. He says the crazy plaintiff and her husband showed up at his front door and pulled a knife on him and demanded he go to the bank to give them the deposit back on a fence he was hired to build. He grabbed his shotgun. His friend called the cops and he filed a report. His tires were then slashed on his truck. He lost out on other potential jobs dealing with all this nonsense. And if anyone's owed money today, it's not the plaintiff. He's accused of offense fiasco. All parties, please raise your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The litigants are not actors. They are involved in legitimate disputes, and they have agreed to have those disputes settled here in our forum, the People's Court. The People's Court is now in session, and the Honorable Judge Marilyn Leanne is not presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. All right, Ms. Sanders, what happened here? Well, I was really looking for someone to do my fence, and so happened I ran across a website that said MGT Properties or something. And I reached out to Mr. Eckhart, and I asked him for a quote, and he asked me where where would I like this um, work to be done, where would it be done? I sent him my address, and he asked me was um, it okay for him to come 4 o'clock that day, and I told him, sure. And I was here when he did the measurements, and he left. He said um, he'd get back to me. He ended up emailing me and giving me a price for um, a chain-link fence. And I said, no, I talked to you about vinyl. He apologized for that. And he said, let me get that quote for you. 
he ended up reaching back out to me and saying that it was going to be $3,200 and he needed a deposit half down. I said, well, what payment method would you like to use? He said... So he goes over to your house and he picks up a check for the deposit, which was $1,600. That's how much you paid him, correct? No, he picked up cash money. He was at my house. Cash, at the 16... Bank. Right, right. All right, so $1,600. And what is the day that you pay $1,600? Um, the 10th. The 10th of April. And when is he supposed to start work? On the 20th of April. So is there a contract? Is there a written contract between you guys? So once he came to pick up the half deposit, he didn't have a receipt book or anything. And my husband was saying, get a receipt. He told me he was going to give me a receipt. He went out to his truck and left. I called him. I said, hey, I don't have a receipt. He said, oh, I will email it to you. I said, okay. He's going to email me. I felt... Yeah, don't listen. You should not be... Cash doesn't leave this hand until a receipt is in this hand. But that didn't become an issue because you text him, I still need you to email the receipt, and he says right away. And then he does. So that was really not an issue. And then what happens? So I gave him the money Friday. On Sunday, I contacted Rick, and I, I told him, I was like, you know what? My husband no longer want me to do the daycare at home. I said, take out a cancellation fee if you want because I start feeling iffy because when I went back to the website that I norm I looked him up on, the whole webpage was gone. He said... When do you tell um, him that? What day? That Sunday. Sunday. Which was... That Sunday was Easter 12. Sunday. On Easter okay. Sunday, right? Okay. I text him. And so you send him a text at 7.19 in the morning saying... Yes. At this time, my husband decided I can't run the daycare out of the home, so I no longer need to put up a fence. Call me when you get this message. And then at 12.08, you text him, if you have to charge me a fee for canceling, let me know that. But don't start ignoring me because you're dealing with a lot of my money right now. It's Sunday. Not just any Sunday. Easter Sunday. So what happens next? So I went over to Mr. Um, Eckhart's house. The address. How did you have his home address? It was on a receipt. So I'm thinking it's his business address. So I go and I'm like, let me make sure this is real because- Why would you go I'm to his careful. business address on Easter Sunday? I don't know. I was just trying to make sure that it was- Okay, so you show up and then you know it's, I know, but the guy gave you his home address, right? So it turns out he's not trying no. to be shady. So, he, so you go to his home on not just a Sunday, but Easter Sunday, and then you show up at his house at what time? Um, it was about 11 p.m. You showed up at the guy's house at 11 p.m.? Yes. And I knocked on his door? House. All right, let me hear from you, Mr. Okay. Eckhart. Did they knock on your door at 11 p.m. or was it earlier? Well, actually, it was only about 10.30. They knock on your door and what happens? Well, Miss Sanders did show up that evening and knock on the door. And she mentioned that, you know, did you see my text? I said, yeah, I saw your text. We can talk about this. And I said to her, you know, if you want to cancel the job, it's right on the edge of the 72 hours where you would be entitled to a full refund, but I'll give you a full refund. However, I've already ordered some lumber for the project, so I'll need to get that cash back and then I'll send it out to you. You've got 15 days to return a client's money if they cancel the contract. And then she hemmed and hawed and said, well, you know what, let's just go ahead. So, okay, fine, you know, we're good. Have a nice evening. Then the rest, kind of snowballed after that. What happened? On the Tuesday, the 14th, uh, I had stopped back to grab some lunch around noon, and the plaintiff was waiting there in her car, and she came out and approached my truck, 
and said, well, you haven't filed any permits with the city. I called the city. And in our area, every municipality requires a local license in addition to your state license in order to file a permit. But a homeowner can file without any licensing. So I always tell my clients, if there's a permit required, you will need to pull it. And I tell them that upfront or I- Well, why don't you just put that in a contract that the homeowner's responsible? Why don't you have contracts? Actually, the email that she received is, it states the price, the terms, and there's a button to click accept, like an electronic signature. After she left that day, then on the 17th, which was Friday, she and I, who I assume to be her husband showed up at my door again <laughs> in the morning as I was getting ready to leave for work. And her husband said, you know, we need the full 1600 back again. I went through the explanation of, well, you know, I'll be happy to send you back your money, you know, even though you canceled after the term and I've got time and money invested in this, but you know, you'll have to go through the process. And at that point he said, no, you're not leaving unless you're coming to the bank with me. I said, no, I'm sorry, that's, that's just not happening. At that point, he stepped down off the porch, started to walk around the side of my house towards my garage, reached down into his pants leg, pulled out what to me appeared to be a knife, and said, is that your truck back there? I'll make sure you don't leave unless you come with me. So I came into the house, told my partner to call the police, took my shotgun out of the closet, and went him back to intercept them. Wow. Okay, well, we actually have a video that someone, was that your husband? Who took this video? Look at you. Let, it, let us rectify this. So you got $1,600 of my wife's money, okay? I understand you got your little stand your ground. You done pointed at me already. You done pointed at, no, I didn't pull a knife. You didn't see me pulling no knife, so stop, stop lying. I saw you pull a knife, and that's not too this. Okay. That's what you say. Stop lying. The thing is, you got your, your gun right here. I don't, I guess that's your coworker or whoever. You got $1,600 of my wife's money. You don't want to show a receipt, right? You don't want to, uh, you didn't pull no permits. You told her you're going to pull a permit. So far, you haven't done anything of what you said, Mr. Rick. What I, well, I got your face. So, yeah, I need you to record like I'm recording because you already made a threat. And you came and threatened me with your weapon. You pointed at me. I should have had the camera point then. You're you put it in my wife. You pulled a knife. You, you hold, hold, I didn't pull no knife. Pay attention, pimp. You weren't even out here. You was in the house. I'm watching you. <laughs> I, I said I'm watching you when he said I pulled a knife. Don't threaten us anymore. Ain't no threatening. I never threatened you. I just told you you need to have us some receipts, you period. You said that's my red truck. No, I ain't got no knife. You see my hands? That's one hand. This, this, this here is the other hand. Pay attention. These are my pockets, Pip. You see that? You, you watching? So pay attention. You're the one who did the violating. I will see you, though. What is happening, Ms. Sanders? Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. 
Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Real truth of what happened is my husband asked him, he said, um, you said you went to go get material. Can we get a receipt? And he said, no, it's, it's, in, it's buried in a lot of files. And my husband said, well, we have all day to wait because we need these receipts. Well, Mr. Eckhart walked back in the house and when he came out, he came out with a shotgun. He started, and he okay. said, get away from my property. Okay, right. Um, maybe you shouldn't be on his property demanding $1,600 and demanding that he get in the car and go to a bank with a stranger who's, you know, I mean, these aren't normal, this isn't normal behavior. What happens between Easter Sunday and the 17th to cause you and your husband to show up at the house? He said, I bought all the material. Uh, What material? Hold on one second, because I do want to ask you about that, Mr. Eckhart. What material? What material had you bought? She hadn't picked it out yet. What did you buy? I hadn't said that I had purchased all of the materials, but we do need lumber and cement. Did you purchase and... lumber? You told her on Sunday that you had purchased lumber. I'm finding that a little hard to believe. Because yes. you got the deposit on, on Friday. I think maybe you took a little license with that to try to persuade her to keep the contract, which apparently worked, so whatever. But do you have a receipt for any lumber? I don't have that here. I buy lumber. Where would you have it? You're at your house, and this is a lawsuit about that. Where would you have that? I don't think you ordered anything. Can I see your order? That, I said I don't have that at your time, this time you're out. I don't know what time. When you say I don't have that at this time, you don't have that, because this is the time. I'm wearing the black dress, and we're ruling about this, so that's unfortunate. Now, here's what happens. On Sunday, no, on Saturday, April 18th, you send him a text. This is crazy. Saturday at 8 o'clock in the morning. Rick, would you like to go look around at Home Depot this morning? He doesn't answer you. At 8.10, maybe we could get the post in this weekend. What are you talking about? He's, you're not, he's not working for you on Saturday. That's at 8.10. He doesn't answer. At 8.46, I'm just suggesting, let me know if you're busy this morning because you and me could go this morning. At 8.48, two minutes later, I mean, maybe you have a problem with boundaries. Like, maybe you're a little bit unreasonable. 8.48, Rick, I really need this fence done. Can you please help me get this together? He answers you at 10.19. I am already working on other projects today. Sorry. So on Sunday, you text him, Rick, you need materials for tomorrow. I don't understand why you want to wait until the last minute. That's at 8.55 in the morning on a Sunday. At 9.36, you tell him, maybe if I talk with Debbie, maybe she can make all this make sense to you. I need you to do what you were paid to do. I'm not going away. So I'm really hopeful you understand that. Why is this happening? Why aren't you waiting till Monday? If he doesn't show up and he can't build a fence, then he's breaching and you can get your money back. Why are you hawking the guy on Saturday and Sunday again? Who's Debbie? Yeah, I know what you felt, but you're nuts. Who's Debbie? Debbie is my sister. That morning between the time that she sent the first texts and when I responded, 
she tracked down both of my sisters on Facebook and messaged them on Facebook, telling them that they needed to get me, me uh, kicked in the rear end. You've got to no. be kidding me. And my... I did not tell them that. I did not tell them what that. What did you, I you said, tracked you... down his sisters on Facebook? That's crazy. I tracked down on his page, that's his, his business page. Why said, are you crimes. doing that? I think you got a little OCD, which don't we all, but yours has to keep in check. This is crazy. It's just, it's really, it's too much. And you're, you're literally trashing him on a website saying he stole your money to people, which is not okay because he's not supposed to work for you it's until Monday. Now, here's what you do, and this is really concerning me. Scammer. Rick was paid, just a moment. Rick was paid to put up a fence, and he never did the job. Drugs play a big part on why he can't get the job done. Can I ask you a question? Where do you get that from? Because when I went to uh, Rick's house and I was standing on the porch, his significant other was sitting at the table with a lighter, a spoon. This is the reason, because it was John Quayle Familiar sitting right there. They got a big picture window and a door You mean on right the night there. when you decide... Do you mean on the night when you decided that he would he could do the job anyway? That day, because after no. that you decided he could do no. the job anyway. Yes, you did. I'm looking no. at your text. I know you decided he could do the job anyway. So I think you're yeah, a liar. And you know what? The worst part is if you just held yourself in check, waited until that Monday. If he had breached it, you'd be getting all your money back. But instead, what you do is you trash a guy and make up stuff about drugs, and you think there's not going to be a consequence for that? Oh Lord above, folks. You're asking for the fence deposit back, plus another 5,000 in emotional distress. Well, I believe you're going through emotional distress. I just think it's self-induced. Or maybe your husband is cranking you and cranking you and making you feel crazy about this. And maybe that's what's going on. I don't know, but something is upsetting you. I'd like to talk to you about the tires now. Did you folks, Ms. Sanders, did you folks slash his tires? No, ma'am. No, I did not slash okay. his tires. All right. Now, according to you, tires were slashed. Show me a picture of slashed tires. Did you ever call yes, the police on Saturday to tell them that your tires had been slashed and you knew who did it? I actually called them on both Friday after they showed up and on Saturday. Did they file a report? Did you file a report? I did Do you file have a, a police report. report. Can you show me any evidence that you called it into the police and identified that they were the ones who did it? I can't have it this time, Your Honor. No. It just, there's something that just doesn't sit right about that. And that worries me. I'm concerned that I never saw a tire slash until this moment. I'm concerned that there's no evidence that you called in a tire slash. Can you respond to that? What's your answer to that? Well, certainly, Your Honor. I don't like to get confrontational until I'm pushed to the absolute edge. And I have a video of you with a shotgun. Don't tell me you don't like to get confrontational. A guy who doesn't like to get confrontational says, get off my property now. I'm going to return your money tomorrow and gets rid of them. You are exactly the kind of guy who wants to get confrontational. I know that. I feel it in my bones. So here's what's going to happen. It's going to cost you to trash him on those. So you can't just make up that someone has a drug problem. Yeah, there are consequences to doing that. I know it felt good. Okay. Did it feel good? Felt good. Felt good. But you can't just do. You have to have a filter. You can't just show up at people's houses in the middle of the night. You can't just text them 20 times when they're not answering you. And you can't just write stuff on websites that are public with, you can't reach out to their family on their Facebook pages. It's all crazy, and you can't do that stuff. So that's good, because otherwise, I'd be ordering him to return your money, all of it. Okay. But he's not going to return all of your money. 
because you owe him for the defamation. You do. Okay? So I'm going to order him to return a portion of your money. Mr. Eckhart, return 800 of the $1,600. I think that's plenty for the trouble that you've had to go through because you can't prove anything on the tire slashing. I think that's, I'm not even sure tires got slashed, but I am going to order uh, you to return only half of the money and you keep the rest for your troubles at having to have been uh, slandered on those websites. But because you cannot prove that you spent a single penny doing anything, and because I thought it was kind of pushy, when I, when I hear you say, well, I'll be deducting everything I bought and talking her out of canceling in the 72-hour mark, I think that you should be returning some of the money. But because you went so nuts and were, and so were so out of control and really did harass him and posted stuff you shouldn't have posted, you're not going to get all of the money. $800 verdict for the plaintiff. You saw some of the plaintiff's actions in this case as a little nutty, uh, effectively. Oh, it's think? kind of the words that you used. Yeah. And I, it occurred to me that in contract law, there's a thing we call anticipatory breach of contract, where one party starts acting in such a way that it's obvious to the other party that they're never really going to perform their end, and that would excuse performance by the other party. But this was more of a just kind of almost baiting him into into breaching. I do you think, think it, she wanted to have the fence built at the end of the day? Yeah, I do. I think that she did, but I think that part of why she did is because he lied and said that he had bought materials. That right. man never bought materials. There's right. two things I'm certain about, and right. I wanted to know what you thought about it. Okay. A, he didn't buy any material. Yeah, I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm not sure, like, of some things. I'm not sure if Elvis is alive or dead, but I'm positive he didn't buy the materials. Right. All right? And B, actually, there's three things I'm positive. Okay. B, he's not afraid of them. Right. Because if you're afraid of some, you know, crazy people who come to your house at 11 p.m., you, you just give them the money. You don't keep you don't, doing business. You don't bait them. You don't, you know, actually, right. they, they come to the house at 11 p.m., and then the shotgun incident is a few days later right. um, on the Friday. I mean, you don't look afraid to me. Right. You're, instead of returning their money and saying, oh, my gosh, I don't need these headaches, you're talking to people about how you can keep them. He is not afraid. And the third thing that I am pretty sure about, and I wanted to know what you thought, right. is there was no tire slashing. You know what? I, I, I don't see I think quite the man the changed way. a tire. Here's, I think he's busy figuring out how to keep the money. And I well, think he was going to change a tire anyway and, and fix the car. And he changed a tire. He goes, oh, you know what? Let me slash that tire and then I'll build up my... Because if we were in court and I didn't have... And we weren't remotely in court, if he was in front of me, I'd have grabbed that man's phone and checked out the metadata on that okay, picture. Okay, let me tell you how I saw it. I saw it as I'm pretty sure his tires did get slashed by the plaintiff or by the plaintiff's husband, by somebody on the other side. But at the end of the day, you found that he was entitled to the return of about half of the monies. She was entitled to the return of about half of the monies. I would have found she wasn't entitled to or she was entitled to the return of all of the monies, less about 800 bucks for the slash exactly. tire. See, so I found I the 800 said, bucks ah, for the drug like, dealer comment. That's right, what I, or the right. drugs so have So we would have arrived at the same place, right. just by a different means. Right. All right. So we got this question from Carolina from Miami. Did you ever go out in New York City with Ed Koch for lunch or dinner in between cases? I love that you asked me that question because the answer is yes. And Ed Koch was a rock star in New York City. I remember going to restaurants with him and people would just swarm him to get autographs. But the biggest thing, I went to Radio City Music Hall 
with Ed Koch to see Cindy Lauper. And we walked down the aisle, and I am telling you, he got applause as big as Cindy. That'll do it for this case. The litigants are in the courtroom for the next. This is the plaintiff, Jessica Lorsch. She says she gave the defendants a deposit for her wedding reception at a farm the defendants own. Then COVID hit. The defendants refused to allow her to have the wedding there and now won't return her deposit. She was forced to have her wedding at another nearby venue. The defendants owe her the $3,355.05 she paid, and she's suing for it. These are the defendants, Ross and Mary Ann. Ross says the plaintiff started harassing them when they told her the state mandate wasn't allowing weddings due to the pandemic. They weren't about to go against the state's mandate. They were happy to rehost the wedding at a future date. Their contract states no refunds. And well, here they are. They're accused of breaking a bride's heart. All parties. Please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket. The plaintiff says that she hired the defendant, gave her a deposit for her wedding reception, but because of COVID, the wedding was canceled and she can't get her deposit back. Now, the defendant says that the plaintiff demanded that they have her reception, but they refused to go against the state-mandated guidelines. It's the case of breaking a bride's heart. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. All right, Ms. Lorsch, uh, congratulations on your wedding. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Tell me what happened. You guys get engaged in 2018. The wedding was what day? June 20th. June 20 of 2020, yes. Yeah, that was carefully picked out quite some time ago. And then what happens? COVID hits, and you're from Washington State? Yes, we're both born and raised in Washington, but we live in California. So when we got engaged, we knew we wanted to have the wedding up in Washington to just be better convenient for our family and friends. So we got engaged April 13th, 2018. And about four months later, we toured three venues um, on the weekend of August the 19th, and their venue was one of them. Uh, so we toured the property with Marianne and sat down with her, looked at pictures of um, okay, and you end up picking them. You decide you, that you love the place, and that's where your wedding wants, is going to be. And then March of 2019 hits. Well, and what so happens? Between then and March, there was two checks that were cashed. One of them held the deposit, and that was actually cashed July 1st, 2019. And then the balance um, was cashed January 24th, 2020. So they had a total of have a total of $4,355.05. Um, so yes, March Corona hit, and just like it is now, it was really changing day by day. So I had a wedding planner that lived out in uh, Leavenworth, and she was really um, doing everything, because I live in California. So um, well, Explain and, something to me. What goes wrong between you and the defendants, though? At what point yes. do they tell <clears throat> so you, is, um, you were supposed to have a wedding that had how many people? That's what you were paying for. The wedding was yeah, supposed to have how when many? When we sat down in August, we talked about 150 to 200 people. And so that's what we were paying based off of. When you talk to them, what do they tell you? Don't worry, we can still accommodate. 
the state's guidelines. What is it they tell you? My wedding planner says, I talked to Marianne and everything is fine. They said, quote, whatever amount of people you're comfortable with, we're comfortable with. Okay, so then at what point do you find out that the story is gonna change and that there's a problem and that you can't have a wedding? When it, get to the meat and potatoes of this. When do they tell you? May 5th. May 5th, who tells wedding, you what? My wedding planner calls and says Marianne's um, changing her mind. So I called Marianne, actually I emailed her first that day and I said, when can you talk? And I just picked up the phone, called her and she answered and I had a conversation with her. And that conversation, um, she basically said to me, yes, we're having second thoughts, I cannot guarantee that. A, can you postpone it? I said, no. B, can you have 10 people there? And I said, no. And then C, um, I just said, this is what we're going to do. Because <laughs> I was already freaking out. I'm like, we're about 30 days out. I need to know now. So I already knew I had to look for a plan B. So I said, we'd like to gift you $1,000. You know, it's really unfortunate that this happened. And this isn't what we've been planning for two years. Um, and then go ahead and take your time. It sounds like times are rough. But when you get a chance, go ahead and give me back the remainder of our money. And she said, that sounds fine. Let me just triple, triple check that my husband doesn't want us to move forward. And I'll let you know in a few days. So that's how we got off the phone there. That was May the 5th. So then um, that day is when I tried um, to talk to my wedding planner. I said, what do we do? And she knew of another couple that lived on the other side of the canyon. They didn't do this as a business. She's like, I lived there. They have a backyard. I can like, they don't really have a contract, but I'll just send you what they have. And I just said, yes, like, let's do it. So this was much easier. It was just like, you know, right down the street. Three days later, I called Marianne because I didn't hear back, and she basically said that she spoke to her husband. They agreed they cannot do this, and that um, she was going to, in fact, return my money. Okay, can you jumpstart this? At the end of the day, who yeah. tells you we're not going to give you the money? Does so he tell you or does she tell you? So then she hangs up the phone you? with me, and her husband calls me about five minutes later, and he says, Marianne does not want to talk to me, and you had an illegal wedding, and since she went to a, quote, commercial vendor, you're not going to get your money back. And then he threatened me and said... If you guys take this to court, we're going to get you, your wedding planner, and all the vendors that you used in trouble, and you guys are all going to get fined $10,000 each by L&I. So I said, I'll see you in court. Wow. Okay. Let's uh, hear from you guys. Mr. Ross and Ms. Marianne, tell me what's going on. So basically, uh, we are understanding uh, with our contract that it's a no-refund contract. And uh, when COVID hit, we were under the state mandate and guidelines, and they were uh, a moving target. So we could not make any definitive statements uh, through that uh, period of time. Right. So could you provide the wedding you sold to her, which is, and I know that it's not your fault, you're not responsible for COVID, but were you able to provide what she bought from you, which is a 100-person wedding? Uh, we could have provided the wedding if they had been willing to uh, book in the next year or later that year or wait and see what they... Right, but uh, that's not... I, I, with all due respect, into. that's not your decision, is it? That's It's their decision when they want to wed. It is a very personal decision. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is they pay you to have a big wedding that you didn't give them because you couldn't. So my question to you is, at some point, according to her, you guys reach an amicable solution where she says... You've, we've spent a lot of time together. I'd like to gift you $1,000. Don't give me back my 4000 whatever. Just give me back 3205 And you, Ms. Marianne, say, yes, we'll do that. What happened to change that? When COVID hit, the wedding planner and I had a lot of conversations about, like you said, what's going to happen? What are your options? 
And I had a lot of brides I was dealing with this with. I'm very sympathetic to the bride's cause. So when she called and we talked about her scenario, she didn't want to change her date, fine. She didn't want to do it in 2021, fine. All that, I understood. However, what she told us was, I can't do any of those things. I'm going to have it. My backup plan is I'm going to have a wedding in my aunt's backyard with my immediate family because that's what we can do, okay? If at any point in time she had said to me, we are going to look for another venue and have an illegal wedding, which it was according to the mandates, at another venue, I would have never agreed to give her her money back. But here's the thing, and I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand your reasoning. You see, because um, she wants a wedding, and she wants it that day. You won't give it to her, and someone else will. What was so evil about what she did? And by the way, did you guys ever tell them no more than six or ten people? No. What we t what we told them is we were willing to do whatever we could do in that phase as Which is what? by the governor. And they knew that. Right, but then, so she wouldn't, I know, but hold on, hold on, hold on. Why would you take it out on her when at the end of the day, the bottom line, and I'm sorry that business is terrible, I'm sorry that this has happened to all of us, you're in the same boat as a lot of other people, why should this young lady pay you 4,350 whatever dollars that she paid you when you look at her and tell her, I can only do a 10-person wedding? I know it's not your fault, but you know who else's fault it isn't? Hers. So when COVID closes us down, the question becomes, who's going to eat the loss, right? Is it going to be the tenant? Is it going to be the landlord? Is it going to be the person who paid for a service? Is it going to be the person who can't perform a service? In your situation, you sold her a wedding on such and such a day, and through no fault of her own, you could not provide that wedding. What made you so mad? How did you find out where she did the wedding and all this stuff? What was it that made you so mad that all of a sudden you guys changed? Excuse me. What was it? Let me do my thing. What was it that made you so mad that you decided to change course on what you had said earlier? With the understanding that uh, the plaintiff's getting married at Ant's backyard, and we agreed to that refund on that basis, uh, we found out that uh, the wedding was being held on the other side of the canyon from us uh, with a, a, a competing uh, vendor. How did you find that out? Because somebody came to deliver something at your yes. venue and you followed yes, them. Uh, How did you find out where the wedding was taking place? The, the guests that were lost called their friends who were at the wedding venue and told them how to get there. So we figured out, oh, it's so at, you hear them. So you drive over there, and then you take the following video. Hold on. Okay, I've seen enough. So let me see if I've got this straight. Basically, you're mad that someone else was violating the law, so you're going to take it out on her. Let me explain something right. to you. I, would feel I don't understand why you're not law. suing for every penny. 
So tough, go reporter, do whatever you want. But I how does that I mean that you, you're just mad that someone else was able to do the wedding or did the wedding and shouldn't have. You're mad you're following the rules and you're mad that someone else isn't. And so now by golly, we're gonna keep our money. You are specifically hired to do something. Thanks to the pandemic, you couldn't. That is not your fault. I understand that, but that doesn't mean you get to pretend that you gave her what you sold her. You couldn't give her what you sold her, and that is not on her. If you cannot complete the contract, somebody's gonna eat this money. And the only reason you don't think it should be you is because you ran over there, trespassed on the other venue's property to take a video, and you're angry that she somehow finagled being able to have the paltry little <laughs> God bless you wedding that she was able to have with what, 20, 30, I can't even see how many people are in the video. So how many people did you end up having? 60, 50, 40, what did you end 52. up having? 52, 52. Yeah. Um, I didn't okay. think I was allowed so, to sue for all of it because we had a verbal agreement where I gave them a thousand, but technically they have four thousand three hundred and fifty-five dollars and five cents, and I sent you both the checks that show those total amounts. There was a deposit of two thousand one hundred and sixty-two, and that final check of two thousand one hundred and ninety-three dollars and five cents. You know what? You make an excellent point. You were gonna gift them $1,000 and ask just for part of your money back. And you reach that little settlement and then you don't honor the settlement. Why should you get the benefit of the settlement? You didn't honor it. You're absolutely correct. And I'm gonna order them to pay the entire amount back to you because that is what she's entitled to. Too bad, you should have honored the settlement instead of getting mad at some other venue and then taking it out on the bride. Verdict for the plaintiff, $4,355.05. Congratulations. So the plaintiff is finally going to get her money back. Let's talk to Ross and Marianne now, the defendants. I'd like to know how you feel about the judge's decision. Ross, let me ask you, what are you thinking? Well, the decision is as we expected as far as contract world goes and, uh, and legal uh, uh, guidelines. However, uh, it's irresponsible on the part of the bride and groom and irresponsible part of the venue that hosted it when they knowingly knew that COVID uh, uh, mandates did not allow such a, an event to take place. Well, look, you're like a spy. That's really funny. You went over there and spied and took the video. Anyway, the judge really totally disagrees with you. She's ruled against you. You got to give the money back. And that's the bottom line. Okay. okay? No, we, we were that's it. That's, to see what they were that's it, guys. All right, let me talk to the, uh, the plaintiff now, Ms. Lorsch. I assume you are, you are feeling pretty elated right now. I would think so, right? Yes, I feel great. Good for you. How was the wedding? We haven't really heard about that. How'd it go? It was beautiful. I sent a picture of my husband and I, and it was lovely. We had our closest friends and family there. We're blessed we were able to do it. Well, that's good. Congratulations. I'm sure everybody watching is happy you're getting your money back. Good for you. Now, let's see how the judges feel about this. Let's join Judge uh, Millian and her husband, Judge John, to see what they have to say in another session of After the Verdict. Here they are. You had a situation in this case where there was a contract to provide a service 
and there was an impossibility of performance. Performance couldn't be affected because of the COVID-19 epidemic. So I guess in your mind, it really didn't matter that you say, hey, no refunds, because oh, no. you can say no refunds, but then you have to be ready, willing, and able to deliver Correct. what you contracted for on that day, right? Right. It you know, the, the, the thing is, he, he can't perform through no fault of his own. If she had turned around and said, well, I had to go to a different place in a different city, it cost me 10000 right. so I want you to pay the difference. Of course he would never have to pay the difference. You know, his impossibility of performance wasn't his fault. Right. But you can't take five grand and keep it if you can't perform. Somebody's going to miss out. In every COVID situation, there's going to be a party that is hurting. If I lose my job and I can't pay my rent, I don't pay my rent. If I don't pay my rent for six months, my landlord has no money to pay their taxes or their insurance or their mortgage. Right. So now it's passed off to the bank. Then the bank, you know, it just, it, it, everybody feels for everybody else, but they don't want to, it's like musical chairs. Nobody wants to be the one to eat it, which I get it, right. you know? Everyone's getting hurt. Some people, maybe a little more than others, but yep. uh, it's, it's got a cascading effect. It sure does. All the way down. All the way down and sometimes right. all the way and up. Sometimes up, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, well, it turned out great for them. They got married, thank God. I'd have postponed the wedding for another year. <laughs> I would have, I've had, we've been invited to two weddings that right. have been postponed a whole other year because right. I would really want the wedding to not have any, but God bless them. They're so cute. You know, they bought the house. They're happy that they had their closest friends and, you Absolutely. Know. Got to celebrate. With He's just family. angry that someone else violated the rules. Yeah. He's not even angry at her. He's really angry at the venue. Kind of seen that way. Yeah. So Paula from Kansas wants to know, I rented a place in another state and now it has a higher COVID rate than in my home state. Do I still have to move if I sign the lease? Well, unless there is a law in your city or state that says you're excused, yes, you're stuck. Um, it is unfortunate and it is just one of the many, many difficulties and tragedies of COVID. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.